You are now listening to Conscientization 101, an online magazine combining reflection, music, and action through independent media. It's uh, very important to be with conscious African women and men. And I'm very excited to see Conscientization 101, to see Sister Zari there and the brother James, and uh, to see that you have started an organization to conscientize the world, especially African people, about what's really going on in this world. Conscientization 101. A lot of these people right now in this conscious, so-called conscious movement, they're not actually living in that in that lifestyle. Fakers. That's why, you know, obviously yourself, we're on the same sort of frequency. That's why you're listening to the same things I'm listening to because we're sharing that same sort of thought. We want the same sort of things and a lot of people don't want the same sort of things. Even yourself, what you're doing now is for the people. So everything is people-based. Globally conscientizing. Making me proud of what um, this kind of connection here is that you know, when no matter what is said, no matter what is done, um, you, you leave that you leave listening to our music with a feeling. Same way we're going to leave this conversation with a feeling, mm-hmm. and um, that is the most important thing you know, for for I and I the, the vibe and the energy and the feeling that you leave with. Because you might not remember every lyric, but you're going to remember the feeling. So um, that's 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 really important, and that's what I'm getting from what you're doing. Doing. Doing.
Conscientization 101. Welcome to another episode of the Conscientization 101 Podcast. Welcome everyone to another episode of the Conscientization 101 
Podcast. I am your host for this episode, Dazari Sundiata, and I am Managing Editor for Conscientization 101. And as you may have guessed from hearing the Conscientization 101 produced track called Dr. John Henry Clark on the Threshold of African Liberation, we conclude our audio practice series with a digitally remastered presentation from Dr. John Henry Clark titled The African World Under Siege. So if this happens to be the first episode you've heard of the audio praxis series, let us explain where we got the term audio praxis and the description of what the series is all about. Audio praxis is a term coined by renowned African scholar and author Aikwe Ama. And it means the translation of ideas systematically embraced into structured behavior and lifestyle. Ideal praxis is the yardstick that separates revolutionary performers from phonies. And that is in his book, Remembering the Dismembered Continent, page 75 to 76. So with this term in mind, we created our Ideal Praxis series. Our audio practice series is an extension of our Conscientization 101 produced tracks from our free gift musical commentaries featuring Dr. Marimba Ani, Dr. Amos Wilson, and Dr. John Henry Clark. These podcast episodes include lectures we have curated and digitally remastered from each of these African scholars in order to preserve these critical insights and analysis in the wake of an increasingly restrictive and controlled YouTube. We procure them from YouTube. All right, before we get into what will be discussed on today's episode, we wanted to give you a brief bio on our beloved ancestor, Dr. John Henry Clark. Dr. John Henry Clark, born January 1st, 1915, and passed away July 16th, 1998. In the late 1960s through the late 1980s, was one of the foremost architects of the emerging discipline of Africana studies slash Africology as professor of African world history in the Department of Black and Puerto Rican Studies at the Hunter College of the City University of New York and as the Carter G. Woodson Distinguished Visiting Professor of African History at Cornell University's Africana Studies and Research Center. As an academician and intellectual, Dr. Clark emerged as one of the leading theorists of African liberation and the uses of African history as a foundation and grounding for liberation. Under Dr. Clark's formulation, liberation was defined not simply as freedom from European domination, but fundamentally as the restoration of African sovereignty. He explored history's utility in moving an oppressed and subordinated people from a position of subjugation on multiple levels to full status as a self-sustaining, self-defining, self-directed, free, and independent people on a global stage. Although a leader among European Academy-trained African intellectuals who joined the European Academy largely beginning in the late 1970s, Clark's education and training were the product of a movement for the indigenization of African academic intellectualism in Harlem of the 1930s that can be traced back to the early 19th century. Okay, this brief bio on Dr. Clark was paraphrased from the blurb of Ohati N.N. Toure's book, John Henry Clark, 
and the power of Africana history. Africological quest for decolonization and sovereignty, which is in our Constantization 101 library, also linked in our show notes. This presentation that we will be playing from Dr. John Henry Clark took place at the Slave Theater in New York circa mid-1990s. And in this presentation, Dr. Clark discusses the following. The essence of power. The role false national consciousness inculcated into African people plays in the global disunity and subordination of African people. Why pan-capitalism, a term coined by Dr. Clark referring to Africans embracing capitalist ethos, is antagonistic to pan-Africanism. The sellout of Nelson Mandela and the African National Congress, the ANC. And for more on this point, see our two dialogues with Dr. Julian Cooney about his book, Is Apartheid Really Dead? Pan-Africanist Working Class Cultural Critical Perspectives. Available in our store with links in our, you guessed it, show notes. And much more. And now we conclude our audio practice series with Dr. John Henry Clark, The African World Under Siege. Dr. John Henry Clark, let us give him a slave ovation. Dr. John Henry Clark. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you very much. I'm pleased to be in another one of my intellectual homes here at the Slave Theater. Now, I pushed the health button a little too hard and had to go to one of those places called a hospital and deal with some weirdos called doctors. <laughs> then I really wanted to be cured after they finished with me. So I went to some real doctors, my family in Georgia. And my sisters and the nieces and the nephews and all the family pampering and catering. I'm going to get it back together again. And coming back to New York City, I had to realize that I wasn't going to change the world in a week. Might take a month, even a year, then I might not be the one to do it. It's difficult for ambitious people to understand that whosoever God is, it's not them. <laughs> I can't make a hurricane, and I can't stop a hurricane. I think we, as a people, overdo the God business, we overload God and 
he has equipped us with two feet to run the hell out of the way of things. Eyes to see what's coming. Senses, and we shouldn't call in on him so much because after all, he must make spring in one side of the world and winter in another part of the world and fall on another part. He must have ice in one part and rain on the other part and watch those fishes in the sea. And he must watch that sparrow who don't know what limb he wants to light on or what song he wants to sing. <laughs> so why can't you do something for yourself with the equipment that he's given you? Now, my notes for tonight deal with the African world under siege. We are the most potentially powerful people in all the world, and yet we have not used our power. We have let people develop something called a new world order without consulting a single one of us. Not knowing that the great mental wealth comes out of a continent that is ours by every law of God and man. And if we were united within Africa, if the organization of African unity had some unity, they could say, there would be no new world order until you consult me. You get no diamonds, you get no gold, you get no manganese, you get no cobalt. You get nothing out of this continent. And we can pull Western industry to its knees without firing a shot. And we don't have to call this a boycott. Just call it selective buying and selling. We'll be selective about who we buy from and selective about who we sell to. And when we can control commodity markets based on the essence of power, we will be respected in the arena of power. The essence of power, no matter what the government is and no matter what the time is, the essence of power is the ability to include and exclude. That's all it boils down to. Who goes here? And with whose permission? No matter what kind of government you live in, you have to you stop at this gate and give an account of yourself or you move no further. Throughout the whole world, our enemy has either been at the gate, in the house, or in the bed. Because we have not been able to control our enemy. Because we have been hospitable to strangers. We have not asked the stranger, what is your mission in my house? We have not done what the old black father used to do when the father was truly an image in the house. When you come to call his daughter, on the third visit, the daughter don't show up. And the father comes into the living room and looks you over. Say, son, what's your intentions toward my daughter? If you don't give him an answer, the daughter continues to be late, and you don't come there anymore. 
Now, what we got a whole continent never been defended militarily. People been able to just walk in, take what they want. Why haven't we asked these strangers, what is your intention in this house? And if I'm attacked while you're in the house, whose side are you going to be on? And I, if I'm not satisfied with your answer, the door is over there. The one that lets you in will let you out. Now, I want to take a holistic look at African people under siege, not just in Africa, but all over the world. I want to take a look at the propaganda against our mind that makes some of us think that we belong to a separate race that fell off of the moon. <coughs> we are all one single people. There's only one single African people, though some of them might live on some specks of dust in the Caribbean Sea, and some of them might live in Georgia, and some of them might live in Africa. There's only one African people, and we have one enemy. And that enemy has one intention, to control us and our mineral wealth, to control our shorelines, and through propaganda, control our mind. Now this thing started in the 1700s BC. It continued through the invasion from Western Asia, 1675 BC, for 2,000 years, the enemies of Africa came from Western Asia, mistakenly called the Middle East. And what did they do? What was their collective impact? was to take away from the African's mind through propaganda the concept that the African could control a state. And when people take away from you the idea of controlling a state, they take away the container of your culture, your aspirations, your hope. They take away the gift you have to give to your child and their children in turn. And you are motherless and a fatherless child politically in the world when someone takes away from you the cover, your clothing, your cultural clothing, your political clothing, the idea of controlling a state all by yourself. And you forget that half of civilization Half of history was over before anyone knew that a European was in the world. And what makes you think you need him so much? He's a pauper in the world and a thief and a robber in the world. What makes you think you need him? Now to break the siege of African people, we have to stop playing games with each other. 
We have to stop identifying with our oppressor and our colonial master and identify with ourselves as an African people. We have to take our nose out of the air and stop boasting about our Dutch or Scottish grandfather and uncles. We have to stop saying we are British Hawes. England don't want you as anything other than servants. America don't want you as anything other than servants. Because all of these colonial masters you've had want you only servants after they've had you as slaves. When you identify with them, you're identifying with the people who raped your grandfather, grandmother, and you are demeaning your children still to be born. Today you have a fight between the Francophone African and the Anglophone African. Who is superior? They're both talking about French culture and English culture. They're both talking about an oppressor's culture. They're not arguing about African language. Now who speaks Wolof, who speaks Zulu, who speaks Ashanti? Who speaks French and who speaks English? And they both got their nose in the air looking down on each other over a foreigner's language. It's not their mother tongue. Who the hell cares about either one of them? <laughs> language is a utility. Learn as many languages as you can. It's an employment calling card. But don't get so romanticized because think well, you speak French. You are French. <laughs> and because some Scottish man raped your grandmother, don't think that you are Scottish. You are the victim of a Scotsman. You're the victim in as much as he infused his blood into your family against your will. Now, the question is, how do we break this siege? But let's stop playing games with each other. What Reverend Sullivan is trying to do can be marginally, marginally beneficial if you handle it right. But you have to understand the difference between pan-capitalism and pan-Africanism. Pan-capitalism is American corporations dominating the wealth of Africa. Pan-Africanism is African people throughout the world controlling the wealth of Africa. In every country in Africa without any exception all of the wealth-producing resources are in European or white control. Recently, on a trip to Ghana, I discovered that the Ghanaians are selling the gold mines to South Africa. The Oppenheim, not selling it, has finished the sale. Their commercial bank, system of commercial banks, 
carefully built by Western trained Ghanaians, going to be sold to National City. They devaluated the money while we were there. Now, if you can't make a decision about the wealth of your country, a foreigner will decide whether you pay the soldiers, whether you pay your civil servants. They devaluate your money when they get ready. And sooner or later, they're going to demand your land as collateral. And when people take your land, they take away your nation. Land is the basis of nation. This is why I have not gotten so dewy-eyed over Nelson Mandela. Whites own 87% of the land in South Africa. He has not asked for the return of the land. A small minority of whites. This one thing we have to get through our skulls. We will share in Africa only to the extent that someone shares with us in Europe. And if we think we're going to go down the NACP route, we just got to have one near us. If we're going to buy this bag of worms called integration before we integrate into ourselves, there's not enough head examiners to set us straight. I'm not interested in Africans sharing with foreigner who was an invader in the first place, uninvited in the second place. In the South Africa, in the rest of Africa, I'm interested in African rule. Now, if anybody lives in Africa, and this includes the Arabs, who cannot live under African rule, show him the nearest airport, a transportation going and tell them to find some other geography to live. Because nobody, but nobody came into Africa to do Africa any favors. And everybody and everything that was brought into Africa from the outside did Africa more harm than good. Now this might break a whole lot of people's heart because you got some romance about these different religions Judaism, Christianity, and Islam was a, was the handmaiden of imperialists, a conqueror's belief. What made you think you needed it in as much as if you read St. Augustine and his interpretation of the conference in Nicaea, he said, these people are trying to give us a religion we had 3,000 years ago. And if you read John Jackson's Man, God, and Civilization and Pagan Origins of the Christ Myth, you will discover that had Christ rose 2,000 years before, he could have read his own autobiography. The Jews took him up and placed him inside of an already existing myth copied from Africa. 
I'm not saying the Bible is not good. I'm saying it's a series of teaching tools and teaching lessons through mythology and supposition. It's an illustrated lesson. But if you think the illustration is true, then you need to examine history. Then you need to ask some questions. How is that Noah can plant grapes one day and drink the wine the next day? It takes three weeks to ferment the wine to get ready. Ferment the grapes to get ready to make the wine. He got his wine the next day. What makes you think that a people have to leave Africa by the sea, pardon, to let them out, when there was a 16-mile land bridge, they walked in, why can't they walk out? You need a dramatic, somebody needed a dramatic story to dramatize the myth of their slavery in Africa. When they were actually guests in Africa's home, Africa saved them from hunger. And when they associated themselves with the conquerors of Africa, the Africans said, now you got to go. Now they're going to dramatize and say they were slaves in Egypt. And anytime anybody said he was slaves in Egypt, ask them what period and under what administration. The period when they were supposed to be slaves was the period when Egypt was conquered from the Western Asia. If they were slaves at all, then I doubt this. They were slaves under foreign domination. And we are not to blame. People can accuse you of being, having them enslaved with one breath and say the Egyptians were white in the, in the next breath. Now come on, get your lie together. I'm a bap former Baptist Sunday school teacher, and I still have absolute respect for the Baptist church because it's closer to Africa in its ceremony than any other church. I'm also brave enough to admit that very often it is loud and wrong. And I also like to admit being loud and wrong and sometimes corrupt they can outsing any method who ever lived. <laughs> now, back to work because we suffer today over a lot of things we haven't looked back at. We are imitating people who are imitators. We follow a people who don't know where they are going. Look at Europe today. If we had enough armies, all we would need to conquer Europe was shoes. Europe is laying awake, open for conquest. If the Africans who invaded Spain in 711, when they march to the door of Paris, then changed their mind and went back to elect a new caliph, the head of their faith, when they came back to Spain, they changed their mind about conquering Europe. Africa could have conquered all Europe. They had the army to do it. 
Why don't we kick people when they're down and take advantage of people when they're in a difficult position? We have the humanity not to do it. Why did someone spare us? Because they lack the humanity not to do it. <laughs> Just this day, because I'm writing the text for an illustrated history of slavery, I was dealing with the motive behind slavery that we have not looked at, the contradiction that we have not looked at, and what they deprived us of was the concept of the state. Now, the Greeks put this process in motion, then the Romans, and then the Romans were so corrupt, they created a vacuum, and a camel boy began to grumble. He asked for reform. Didn't get reform, he asked for a new religion. That religion was Islam. It's a pity most of the Muslims haven't even studied, they hadn't even read the Quran too well. Because the African thought that the, the Arab would get the Roman off of their backs. They were right. The Arab got the Roman off of his back and replaced the Roman on his back and he's still on his back. The Arab was in the slave trade before Islam. The Arab was in the slave trade a thousand years before the European slave trade. People will not deal with this because they will not deal with honesty. All religions, all fraternities, all everything that touch your life must be an instrument of your liberation or you must throw it into the ash can of history. <laughs> We have no time for ceremony without substance. We must be led back to where we fell from, the control of the state, all by ourselves, and not the imitators of our colonial masters or our slave masters. This is our crisis all over the world. Why then is it that all of the wealth-producing resources of Africa, with no exception, is controlled by Europeans. They have convinced your mind that you cannot control the wealth of your own country. You cannot control the gold that comes from the ground in your own country. You cannot make the ships or manage the harbor in your own country. And so long as you do not believe this, you're going to turn this over to other people. And you need to study the history of the rise of modern Japan. When Perry went and kicked open the door, a great Japanese educator, Baron Tanaka, called the young people of Japan together and said, we will accept this humiliation and we'll work ourselves out of it, but it won't happen again. We'll send our children to all of their schools. And they did this. 
1905, they had mastered enough technique to take on Russia, kick Russia's butt, and people started to leave them alone. And they started a concept called the yellow pill, the danger from Asia. They were making the aeroplanes, everything. And not a single Japanese came home with a foreign wife. Right. Now, someone needed to instruct the Africans coming to the West. That if you bring a wife home, she should look like you. These other people don't fit into our culture. Don't fit into our society. And I didn't send you away to find romance. I sent you away to develop technique and to learn a procedure that will make this nation free of foreign domination. You trained in England, you come back, you're an engineer with a collar and tie on. Good engineers don't wear no collar and tie on the job after hours because good engineers do not just tell you what to do, they show you what to do. And if you got to lay a pipeline, they, they, they demonstrate with their own hands how to do it. Once you catch on, then he'll stand aside and look at you. Many times we go abroad and we come home, African bodies, foreign minds, and sometimes a foreign woman. But the foreign woman has a program. She's a spy in your camp and a spy in your bed. She's an element of control. Now, I've met a few halfway decent interracial relationships in my life, but this is not anything that I advocate. I do not advocate pan-capitalism either. Because I know that capitalism was based on the money and the resources they captured in the slave trade. I know the whole of the Western world, its might, was based on this. Because I've studied the history of Europe after the Crusades, the history of Europe searching for something in the East, sweets and spices, something to put on that gosh darn awful European food that they could eat it. The slave trade saved the economy of Europe. And the slave trade varied, but the slave trade is still intact. And because we have not listened to our greatest messengers, we are dependent on other people. And if they take a holiday, we don't know why to get a loaf of bread in our own neighborhood. But if we ran the stores, we'd keep some stores open. We have to develop a concept of making jobs for each other because we are being pushed out of basic jobs. I'm not talking about high-tech jobs now. I'm talking about stewardship on the railroad. 
bell captains, head waiters. Many black men educated a generation with these tips. And jive these white people being a strategic Uncle Tom. There's a difference between a Tom and a strategic Uncle Tom. <laughs> See, a regular Tom, he just Toms for the submissiveness of it. But a strategic Tom will get something out of this action. He talks to the white folks, he's feeding them, talk about his boy at college, and finally he said, you know, I've got some suits for my boy, he's outgrown them, maybe your boy can like, you know, could use them. He talked himself up to a few suits, they ain't paid a nickel. You tell them how good the boy is doing, they're going to leave him. I'm going to contribute $50, you know. Meantime, going to barber shop, he's brushing them off, you know, and complimenting them, calling them SOBs on his breath. <laughs> because you haven't studied anything. You, you just latch on the thing. You don't read no books about it. I have never met a black Christian who is a scholar on Christianity. I have never met a Muslim who's a scholar on Islam. I have never met a Muslim scholar, a Muslim period, who will admit that the Arabs were in the slave trade a thousand years before the European and they're still in the slave trade. I've never met a Muslim willing to deal with the fact that Africans are being killed in the Sudan right now solely because they're not Africans. Africans are being driven out of Mauritania right now solely because they're not Muslim and solely because African Muslims are being driven out of the Sudan solely because they're not of Arab extraction. And nobody, absolutely nobody is lifting their voice about it. I've never met a Muslim scholar who can deal with the collapse of the Western Sudan when, when Africa was invaded from Morocco and those states were destroyed in inner Africa. And this destruction facilitated the spread of the slave trade inland. Now while we're dealing with Africa under siege, will we deal with the fact that part of this siege is coming from North Africa as another siege is coming from South Africa? And that nobody came to Africa to share any power with Africans or to be ruled by Africans or to be ruled in, in relationship with African people. They came to take everything. They take away your belief system. They laugh at your gods. And they gave you a religion you already had and used much better than they used because you actually believed it. But you accept their concept of it. And by accepting their concept of it, you become a prisoner to the religion. I'm not saying leave Christianity, Islam, or Judaism. I'm saying develop a black concept, a black approach to it. And that black approach to it must feed into black liberation. And if anybody don't like it, tell them to go to hell.
America yeah. means prison. Prison. Until yeah. the homies keep doing what you're doing. But remember, one snitch will quickly ruin what you're doing. So be cautious, never get caught slipping up the trap. It's full of booby traps that trip us up and throw us off. I know niggas is thrown off from seeing niggas get their heads blown off a broad day like the Wild West. Nowadays I got wild stress. I toss and turn while I rest. Sometimes I wake up in a cold sweat. So I guess I'll be lying if I looked you in the face and said it's no sweat. Said it's real for a nigga. So if I don't make it, tell the world to spill some liquor for a nigga and keep it moving. Keep improving, but keep it strictly for the movement. Yeah. Revolution mean coming with some new shit. Uh huh. We gon' scheme shit until we free. We gon' plot our plan. Yeah. Scheme until we free. We gon' rob our steal. We gon' cheat until we free. We gon' plot. We gon' plan. We gon' scheme until we free. We gon' rob. We gon' steal. We gon' cheat until we free. I know the ledge, I'm close to it Go ahead and push me We caught up This a trap, you know And you ain't trying to hear shit When your cash is low Baby, mama in your ear Yeah, it's drama in the air Yeah, niggas pulling out A name popping in the air Yeah Shit is real out here And it's courage over fear So we still out here Yeah And not just here Everywhere, everywhere There's a ghetto There's gonna be despair Desperation to turn your ass Into an animal As long as this world's based on capital We gon' block You wanna rob the nigga next to you Attack with principle, vertical, not horizontal Ghost of Emma Tilla haunt you in your baby's bassinet Time to pay your daddy's debt Slow as how the caddy crap Splatter gray matter on him Empty your bladder on him It sound violent, but that's how they did Fred Killed him right beside his pregnant wife in the bed So I'm forced to have no remorse Last recourse, blast for force Use war as a resource Cause the world is out of him No all but more Malcolms, no gold But count down to the new I'll cable long What we running shit, barrel of the gunner shit People on the government, them crackers on punishment. You really want it with them? Meet me on the battlefield. It's till we free or till we get killed. Until we free, we gon' rob, we gon' steal, we gon' cheat, yeah. Until 
if a conqueror brings you religion, you use it your way for your purpose. You have to respect your own culture and your own belief systems. The African tried to bring man in harmony with nature. And those fools out of Europe tried to defy nature. They think whoever God is, is one of them. When a hurricane hits, they sometimes wonder. Now, how are we going to break this siege? We must get back the main thing that was taken away from us. And that is the concept of the state. The ability to manage the state and manage it well. We must take some, some pledges. Our leaders must do some radical things. I once advocated that Martin Luther King should stand before a black audience and take off all of his clothes except his underwear and say, I declare from this day forward, I will wear no clothes that my people don't make. I wear no shoes people don't make. I will eat what comes from my people's farm. And I will never ride in a limousine until my people make a limousine. He could have revolutionized black industry. Now you know how well we like to see the pastor dressed up. Our best tailor would be on that needle and on that machine, making the pastor have more suits than he can wear. I'm not saying boycott, but selective buying. Not only patronize each other, learn how to be courteous to each other. You cater to custom. If customers are catered to, then let's cater to each other. There's a, we are a mismanaged gold mine. And everybody can come into our community and make a fortune except us. Because being under siege, our mind is under siege. Someone else's ice is cold. It's that belief in yourself. We have suffered a tragedy over and beyond that of any other people on the face of this earth. We have suffered a brain transplant. We're using someone else's brain, someone else's thinking, wearing someone else's clothes. Suppose we said we were wearing the shoes we don't, we don't make. Who do you think is making the shoes for Flowshine? If black people can make shoes for flow shine to sell, you think under good management they can make the same better shoes for themselves to sell? So it's not a matter of not being able to do it, but doing it under your own management and having your confidence. Now you got whites in the personal care business. Dairy Africans in this country use the word African in their advertisement. They're going to copyright a word in the dictionary? We don't see the contradiction in this? 
We could have saved Johnson products, his black wife sold it to a white company. We don't think about loyalty to each other, loyalty to the people. Where are our young executives going to be assured of a job? Where are our children going to work? They're going to be turned out of these white firms sooner or later. They're being turned out every day. People are employing East Indians. And sometimes they employ West Indians or Caribbean people to show that they have contempt for black America. One of the reasons why this move against black America, sometimes by Caribbean people and sometimes by Africans, is that they know one thing about the black American. Our oppressor has drained us of illusions. You might have illusions about being a British hawk. You might have illusions about belonging to France. But this crude white man have told us something that we remember. He has said, you don't, you're not wanted here. You don't belong here. So you ain't got no damn illusions about being American because when you fight for America, they still don't want you. Now, Colin Powell might be able to get a taxi quicker than I can because he's a little bit on the light side. John Johnson of Johnson Publishing. He's about the same complexion and he's tall so they can see him first. The last assessment, almost seven years ago, he had 200 million reserve. He can buy 10 taxi fleets. Let him walk out and try to get a cab at LaGuardia Airport. His chances are no better than mine. <laughs> And once we understand that, we cannot transcend this beautiful color that our ancestors and God was gracious enough to give to us. And we should not try. Because it's a badge of honor, so wear it like a badge of honor. And I like it. I wear it well. I dig it. I thank my mother and father. Not to like it insults your mother and father. To call your hair bad is to insult your mother and father and such the continent that produced you. Because that coarse hair helped you against the sun on the continent that produced you. If it was soft and curly, you probably wouldn't have been here talking about it. There's no such thing as good or bad hair. Good is what nature gave you to cover you what nature put you down. So we have to stop all of this nonsense 
We have to have all the ceremonies that has no substance. Now, I'm not against any of the belief systems of the world, although some people in them gets on my nerve. <laughs> because they're not going anyplace and they're hiding behind a lot of religious ceremony to keep from being in part of our struggle. Some people in struggle in, 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 in one of the religions, they, they, they don't vote, they don't do anything, they don't participate in any activity in the community. They're out of the struggle. And yet when I go to Ghana, when I compare 1958 when I went the first time and when I went a few weeks ago, Ghana is a nation of Jesus freaks. They're scratching at Nkrumah's grave and not dealing with the fact that they betrayed Nkrumah and his dream. Because the dream was pan-Africanism, not pan-capitalism. Now I know Reverend Sullivan and I think he thinks he is sincere and maybe he is. But if his plan succeeds, the cooperation and investors will take over Africa. And there'll be nothing for the Africa. But on the pan-Africanism, Africans will come to their senses and say, if you sell a car in Africa, just sell me the part. We'll assemble it. So that's jobs for the Africa. And sooner or later, the Africa will be making cars from scratch. He's selling cars and he's studying cars. If you're going to make 10 locomotives, all you need is one locomotive. Just break it down and make the essential parts. Now what I'm trying to conclude with is how do we break this siege? We have to stop talking nonsense based on our relationship with an oppressor. The black English have to go out of business. The black French have to go out of business. The black British have to go out of business. We have to understand we are one people wherever we are on the face of the earth. We have to realize that we have to con connect with the African people of the Pacific. The African people in India with all of those people and the people in Africa, in the South Pacific, in Brazil, in the Caribbean islands, there are a billion African people on the face of the earth. Now who, who do we need as an ally other than ourselves? Once we get ourselves together, it is not who we will have as an ally as who we will permit to associate with us and on what terms, and the terms will be our terms or no terms at all. <laughs> then we would have freed our mind from dependency on slave masters and farmers 
colonial masters and realize that everything of worth in our country must be controlled by us. All wealth producing resources must be controlled by us. And we wear no shoes that we didn't make. We wear no clothes that we didn't make. We eat no bread that didn't come from one of our farms. Once you become self-sustaining, you'll understand what goes into the making of the state. Then you will have to look back at your greatest messengers. See what Booker T. Washington had to say. Stop calling Booker T. Washington a Tom. Booker T. Washington, if you understand him, especially his Atlanta Compromise speech, Booker T. Washington was one of the most unique black con men who ever lived. Black people couldn't give Booker T. Washington the kind of money to build and hold Tuskegee open. Read his Atlanta speech called the Atlanta Compromise. Compromise hell. Read it. When he was telling blacks it's better to own a truck farm than to sit next to whites at an opera. And whites, oh my God, he believed in segregation. Give Booker some more money. Every time, cash down your buckets where you are. Then he told whites that in the South, we have not only fixed your food and nursed your children, we have followed you with tear-dripped eyes to your grave. Give Booker some more money. <laughs> Booker was calling those people out of millions of dollars. Carnegie thought so much of Booker T. Washington, he put a half a million dollars in the bank and told Booker T. Washington, go get the interest each year. The interest is yours as long as you live. Now, the interest on a half a million dollars, even 75 years ago, Booker died in 1915. Well, in as much as my age has been printed so many places, I, 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 guess it, I was born in 1915. <laughs> the interest was 20 or 30,000 a year. Now, Booker D. Watch did a whole lot of things we need to examine. He became literally the dictator of black America. But he was dictating an educational policy based on self-reliance. If you wear shoes, learn to make shoes. If you live in a brick house, why not own a brick yard? That's nation building. That's self-reliance. When he went to Europe and saw that the poor Europeans sometimes were worse off than the poor blacks in America, and he wrote a book which very few people read called The Man Further Is Down, he saw the connection between the poor people of the world and thought they had no right, no business fighting each other. And they don't really. A poor white person got the same enemy as a poor black person. That don't mean I'm going to invite him to dinner or go to bed with him. But that's a fact. They should fight to improve their condition. Socially, they need to go their separate ways. 
So again in Booker T. Washington's speech when he said that we can be um, as divided as the fingers and together as the fists and all things that make for social progress. Watch, reach for the pocket again. Give Booker some more money. Other schools wanting money from whites had to go through Booker to get it. He not only built Tuskegee, he helped to build Piney Woods School, other schools in the South. You call him a Tom? Did you do it? The schools are still there? Did you put it there? And then we got to look at Du Bois and stop all the nonsense about there being a fight between Du Bois and God in, in, in uh, Washington. That was a difference of opinion. It wasn't a matter of needing Du Bois or Booker T. Washington. The matter was the same then as it is now. Du Bois and Booker T. Washington. We need, du Bo need Booker T. Washington for the education. We need Du Bois for the culture and the political. We still need it that way. Put the two together. Look what you got. They were both master teachers and major intellect. Du Bois coming from New England. Washington come from the rural South. They were both teaching nation building, nation reclamation, get back what slavery and colonialism took away. Now, after the death of Washington and Du Bois moved to the center stage of leadership briefly until the emergence of Marcus Garvey, right. who broadened the picture now. Right. Let's reclaim out. Let's go home. Let's go home in our own ship, our own sea captains. Right. It was a great and noble dream. Right. The money was lost, but nobody cried, nobody sued. He took us down Dream Street. Psychologically, we needed it. Newton Baker, the American Secretary of War, had told the black American soldier coming back from war, your lot will not appreciably change because you had fought in World War I. And to prove it, black children were burned to death on bonfires in East St. Louis. It was called the Red Summer. Garvey went to Chicago and rallied the people and told them, look, they don't want you here. You were kings and queens in Africa. You can be again. You were sea captains once. You can be that again. He was good for our ego, good for our spirit. And he built the largest black organization before our sense. We need to read what he wrote not what was written about him, read that too. But first and foremost, read Marcus Garvey's fundamentalism. Most Garveyites don't even read Garvey very well. I don't want to talk about Roy Ennis at all. That's a separate lecture. One day, I will discuss the bastardized mind, black mulattoes, black in skin, and mulatto inside of their mind. 
terribly mixed up. If I was a dictator, and I'm not going to say I didn't, wouldn't like to be one, at least for a little while. Roy's execution will be before my breakfast while I'm having here. <laughs> my last word on the subject is that I wish his mother and father had slept through that night and not disturbed themselves. <laughs> If we are going to restore the idea of the state, we're going to have to raise a generation that will believe. Bill Cosby did something the other night that we need to pay some attention to. He just walked on the stage with a chair, sat down, and talked. He raised some questions about why aren't we talking about some of our children who made it? All of them are not shooting each other and all of them are not shooting dope. Why don't we deal with men calling our women bitches? Why do we deal with people on the street selling t-shirts? 90% bitching, 10% whore. And black women wearing their shirts, <laughs> demeaning themselves. Why don't we, when do we deal with TV shows when blacks call each other nigger and blacks laugh at it? He just raised some principal questions that we'd better deal with as a people if we're going to survive. The media and mind control. And having dealt with it, he picked up the chair and walked away. Probably one of the finest performances I've ever seen him give. There's no planning, no script, no nothing. Just sit down and talk to your people. And people don't talk to us enough. And we don't talk to our children enough. We don't have breakfast together enough. We don't ask enough questions. We don't ask about their teachers. And they cop out on us and get away with it. We have to come together again as a family and as a community. And realize that all foreigners who came into Africa, those who came a thousand years before the Arabs, and the Arabs themselves declared war on African culture, war on the structure of the African family. And we become so romanticized over a religion that they brought, we quite forget that they brought, they infuse into that religion a lot that is Arab culture. We also forget that the three major Western religions all taken out of Africa and rehashed them redressed and sold to us a male chauvinist murder cult. I'm not saying leave them, but stop imposing them on us through their concept.
develop a concept that is distinctly yours. And don't care who don't like it. If it serves you well, use it. <laughs> we did not come from a society where women sit on one side, men sit on the other side. We never had a belief system that separated men from women. We had a culture system where the mother was a deity. We brought into the world the first system where women were gods. The first system where women rode at the head of their armies, did not send their armies into battle, but led their armies into battle. We created the first system where women headed a state. And even now in parts of Africa, when the woman is not the king, she is the king maker. We're imitating everybody except the best of ourselves. White women live, don't have the answer. You need a liberation movement for black women. Ten times better than the one they have. But you need not imitate them because they are about something which you need not be about. You were never anti-man. A lot of these people are anti-man. And they boast about the strong black woman taking the manhood from black men, somebody else's propaganda. I decided to investigate this one day and I found a strong black woman. I said, strong black woman, what do you want? She said, I want a strong black man to help me get along. <laughs> what we need to do is to come back to ourselves, talk to each other again. Stroke each other again. Love and pamper each other again. Draw strength one to the other. We need to start visiting grandma the way we used to. We need to tell the kids, if you don't behave yourself, I ain't going to take you to grandma. They know grandma got those cookies ready, little cake ready. Sometimes she makes a special cake just for the children. They can sit down and eat that little cake before the others get their house. Grandmama's supervision. They ain't gonna miss all of this. They gonna behave themselves just to get the grandma's hugs and kisses and her cakes and ice cream. Why don't we be like we used to be? Let us start by saying good morning to each other, at least occasionally. And we get accustomed to saying it all the time. Let us draw up a plan for our own salvation and explain it with some kind of simplicity to ourselves and our children. And let us understand that faith has not spared us for an ideal purpose. We gave the world its first humanity. Faith has spared us to give the world its next humanity. And to give to our children <clears throat> a program of salvation and liberation so that they can in turn 
give to their children and wait for the still more beautiful ones waiting to be born. Thank you. Dr. John Henry Clark, let's give a big hand. Dr. John Henry Clark. Yeah, woke up feeling like the young black Jesus. Child of the most high, I know my dad sees us. Can't leave the streets alone, the streets leaves us. Peace in the ghetto like sweet like Reese. For my nephews and my nieces. True say we're family, we share the same features. Real brothers keep cakes pumping through the speakers. Motivate my people like real black leaders. Spitting verses like speeches. Real life shit, pussy old think I'm preaching. Carrying the cross while you're listening to Yeezy. You know what? Cause I'm the young black Jesus. Got the cream, no peaches. Stack look fat like wells on beaches. Man stay deep like a well, no secret. Flowing on the beat like a skipper on the sea. Trying to cop block the black leaders. Can't leave the streets alone, the street needs us. Black nose, black lips, black features. You know what? I'm the young black Jesus. They're trying to cop block the black leaders. Can't leave the streets alone, the street needs us. Black nose, black lips, black features. You know what? I'm the young black Jesus. Uh, feeling like the young black Jesus. The game Judas for moving so devious. Pigs like the Romans, still trying to eat us. Racism still alive, feds still beat us. Stars in the hood, but the world don't see us. Stories in the book, but the world don't read us. Telling them the truth, but the world don't believe us. If we can't reach them, how they gonna reach us? Put it in a hook and the fans come see us. Rappers on the hype, storm in a teacup. Get a little cake, lazy ones put their feet up. Same ones asking where the hoes and the knees up. Drop me out, mate, I'm still trying to get my peas up. Even when it's up, I'm still trying to get my peas up. Graduated, but I see the lies that they teach us. When you go church, you don't see the black Jesus. They're trying to cop block the black leaders. Can't leave the streets alone, the street needs us. Black nose, black lips, black features. You know what? I'm the young black Jesus. They're trying to cop block the black leaders. Can't leave the streets alone, the street needs us. Black nose, black lips, black features. You know what? I'm the young black Jesus. Hey, real boy, walk one for your idol. Take, take your Gucci specs off, please. You're going on like you can't see us. Where the G's us around here? I swear the G's. The streets need us. Because it's man like us that show the youngest what's really good for the future. Are you, man, you're obviously not really and in business, innit? You're like, you're like, you're, you're obviously not no jeans. So just hold it down. You know what I'm saying? I won't even say please, like, you don't even deserve it. Please. The streets, you know what I'm saying? Just hold it down. And let the real black jeans nose, us. Black lips, black jeans. You know what? I'm the young black Jesus. They're trying to cop block the black leaders. Can't leave the streets alone. The street needs us. Black nose, black lips, black feet. You know what? I'm the young black Jesus. Like Jesus, you know what I mean? I think I'm mean because of black Jesus. I'm mean because of God. All right, everybody. That concludes our Ideal Praxis series. And 
Being that Aikwe Arma was the inspiration behind this series, we thought it fitting to end this particular presentation from Dr. John Henry Clark as his last words were a homage to Aikwe Arma's first novel, The Beautiful Ones Are Not Yet Born. An essential read, by the way, and it's also in our Constantization 101 library. Okay, this episode has featured music from Constantization 101, music from our free gift collection entitled Dr. John Henry Clark on the Threshold of Liberation and Decolonize This, Properly Defining Settlers, Part 1, from our Musical Commentaries Collection, A Alikes featuring M1 and Stigman. The title of the song was Till We Get Free from their album I Eat, You Eat. And Big Cakes. The title of the song was Black Jesus from his album It's All Love. Links to feature music are once again, you guessed it, in our show notes. We also included links to Dr. John Henry Clark's books that are in the Constantization 101 library. Also, we want to touch on this, okay? Even though Dr. Clark mentioned what Bill Cosby said about media and mind control, we got to keep in mind what our beloved brother Kwame Ture used to say. And he used to say, capitalism doesn't lie sometimes, it lies all of the time. Even when it tells the truth, it's the result of a double lie. And we say this because while Cosby is known to lament the contradictions in the African community and how media has affected us, He selectively leaves out how he was an outspoken critic of the black liberation struggles of the 1960s. And you only have to read George Jackson's Soledad Brother, pages 100 and 246 specifically, to see that Cosby played a big role in breaking our wings via his career as a media personality. And then he accuses us of not being able to fly. So, as you see now with Cosby, the imperialists don't have any kind of love. They use you up. And then they throw you under the bus, and he was one of their biggest uber thralls. So anyway, just to make that quick note, something to think about. Now, after I said all that and got that out of the way, don't forget, when you visit us at Constantization101.com or C101magazine.com, sign up to our mailing list for exclusive information and downloads visit our store where you can download our free gift that we've been featuring and there you can get all of the tracks featured on our audio practice series and pick up an unabridged interview or two and pick up a few other musical commentaries or a shirt support 100% independent media so we can continue to learn from each other Also, don't forget to check us out on Twitter at Conscien1, that's C-O-N-S-C-I-E-N, and the number one on Facebook at Conscientization101 and Instagram at C101Editors. Also, before we get out of here, we wanted to let you know that for the past six months, we have been developing a series that we will be producing on a regular basis in addition to our interviews that will be dropping really soon and we will be giving details soon and the first to know will be subscribers on that mailing list so go on the site and subscribe today thanks for listening we'll see you soon peace Peace. peace.